who said the following remarks is the question. Um, I'll give you the quotation in a second, but, uh, but, but just a little preview. Um, I mean, there have been a lot of critics of the you know, post-1990s you know, global, global liberal consensus over the last uh, five, or, five or six years. Um, so I've read and heard many things like this, but this is a more recent one. Um, so who said this is the question. Uh, in the early 1990s, uh, as the world emerged from the Cold War, Russia was welcomed into the global financial system and given access to capital markets. The world benefited from a global peace dividend and the expansion of globalization. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has put an end to the globalization we have experienced over the last three decades. Um, well, if you just leave the Russia part out, it could have been said by any number of critics of um, you know, the post-1990 you know, end of history theory. Um, but it was said today, or yesterday actually, um, by Larry Fink, the chairman of BlackRock, in his, uh, you know, one of the biggest investment firms in the world, in his letter to shareholders and investors. Um, so BlackRock obviously has been kind of a symbol of globalization. You know, all of its investment strategies and investments have been built around the thesis of expanding globalization. So I think we can safely say that when Larry Fink says, that globalization is over, it is over. So I wanted to point out um, or suggest five features of this um, world after the end of globalization, um, and then maybe we can discuss them. I mean, these I think will play out in different ways, but they're all related um, to the topic of the panel, namely uh, the relationship between the European Union or the global order uh, as well, and nation states. Um, so first is that the, the values-based international order already ceased to exist. It hasn't existed for a long time. Um, you know, we had Brexit in 2016 and the election of Trump in 2016, and that was the time at which people started making this observation. Um, you know, once, uh, once Brexit happened, the path of, you know, uh, increasing in the, you know, the, the, um, the, the direction of history toward you know, further and further integration uh, was clearly over um, when the United Kingdom pulled out. And then we had COVID too. And under COVID, suddenly everyone reverted to a kind of medieval lifestyle. You know, we imagined that we might be born and die within a few miles of our, you know, the same place as you know, a global crossing of borders basically came to an end. Um, and uh, easy, tra you know, easy transit, easy global, global travel uh, had come to an end. So um, in the present circumstances, you know, we're seeing the, uh, the, the disappearance of the, of the values-based international order, I mean the liberal values-based international order, um, in other ways as well. And the important thing is to recognize uh, that it's happening and not uh, come too late to the realization. I think uh, Larry Fink is clearly too late to the realization that globalization is over um, if it took Russia's invasion of Ukraine uh, to make him aware of that. First, we're seeing even in the, even in the current moment, um, countries that aren't aligned on values have to be aligned um, in evaluating the security situation to the east. And in other cases, countries that have been aligned on values have slightly different geopolitical views. In other words, we're, we're in a moment where um, you know, uh, geopolitical views and the geopolitical situation of countries um, is clearly paramount 
uh, and more so than commitment to values or commitment to liberal values. Um, you know, second, uh, uh, another point uh, with regard to the disappearance of the values-based international order, I just wanted to um, call to mind this comment that um, Prime Minister Orban made in an interview um, that he gave to Mondiner about a month ago, and he was asked what he thought about um, the future of a Chinese-led international order. Um, and he said, well, we don't know what a Chinese-led international order would look like, but we do know what an Anglo-Saxon-led international order look, looks like, and it's one in which the Anglo-Saxons demand that you accept the moral superiority of their rule. Um, that seems to be disappearing, or it seems not to be not to be very convincing. Um, you know, already as China has been building up its international presence, it doesn't require that. It doesn't require you know commitment to its moral superiority. It just requires cooperation with its different investment structures and investment vehicles. Um, so maybe maybe um, maybe Europe and the West should take a page from that playbook and think about building something like. Uh, an American Belt and Road or a NATO Belt and Road, something like that, with more material investment. Um, second point about the, um, you know, this this changed uh, international order, um, uh, drawing on Larry Fink's comment, is that global supply chains are clearly a security risk. He actually says in his letter um, that uh, companies and governments will start will have to evaluate uh, more clearly now. Um, the geopolitical risks surrounding their, the supply chains to their critical products. Again, this has already been the case for a long time. People were making the observation right after, right after Trump's election that bringing manufacturing back to the United States, um, speaking in the American context now, that bringing manufacturing back to the United States was important. Well, again, why should it take the collapse of the international order to realize that? We could have realized it then. Um, we certainly could have realized it under COVID when it turned out that America couldn't even manufacture masks, uh, let alone vaccines, at, at, at scale. Um, and it had lost a lot of its industrial capacity that was quickly exposed. Um, so now we're seeing that global supply chains are a security risk, not only in manufacturing, but also in information um, and in the monetary system as well. Um, third point, liberal capitalism doesn't believe in itself anymore. Um, in the 30 years you know, after the end of the Cold War, um, you know, one of the, one of the one of the theses around, um, you know, surrounding the expansion of liberal democracy is that capitalism itself and the spread of, of, of capitalism um, would push global values in a liberal direction. You know, this was typified by the Tom Friedman books of the 1990s, which are now, you know, provide kind of uh, tragicomic experience uh, when you go back and read them. Um, you know, uh, there's his, uh, his famous theory of the golden arches theory of world peace, right? That no, no two countries, both of which have a McDonald's, have ever gone to war against one another. Um, it's very comic, but at the same time, you know, it expressed this view that, you know, okay, well, we're gonna open McDonald's in Moscow right after the end of the Cold War. You know, we're gonna cover, you know, cover the globe in Starbucks and McDonald's and global, uh, global Western corporations making their presence felt there. And over time, that will turn everything in a liberal direction. Well, if we really still believed that, then the corporate world wouldn't be cutting Russia out of the corporate system. We would be like, we need to send more McDonald's's to Russia now, you know? <laughs> like, um, so it's interesting that that theory has completely collapsed. They don't, you know, even, even, even in this letter, Larry Fink says, um, 
you know, gives himself kind of a pat on the back. Look, global companies really are committed to values. That's why we've all withdrawn from Russia. And it's like, Larry, don't you realize that the, like the exact opposite of that was how you showed your commitment to values over the last 30 years, putting more um, of, those, of those companies in um, non-liberal countries. So that's very interesting. And I think it clearly means that the um, you know, global financial, corporate, and monetary system has been weaponized. Um, again, that can be good or can be bad, but it comes with a different set of risks um, you know, whose consequences will, will be uh, discovering and encountering over the next couple of years. Um, fourth, um, the global internet is clearly over. Um, you know, I went back the other day and I, and I was looking through um, mission statements of American internet companies over the last 20 years. And they all have, they all have mission statements like, you know, making it possible for the entire world to communicate or something like that. You know, they're all in global terms. They're all about the world. They're all about, you know, increasing connectivity. Um, you know, if only we get the entire world on Facebook, then we'll, that'll increase social understanding. Um, these were the expectations 10, 15 years ago, and those have clearly collapsed. Now we have the multipolar internet. Um, you know, the way that this is written about in the media is kind of strange. You would think that the Western, that the Western internet, you know, is free and open. It's basically like the global internet still exists. It's still completely free and uncensored. That's in the West, and then you have the censored internet in China and Russia. Well, obviously, we know that um, the uh, internet with American characteristics uh, is what we are actually living in. And finally, and lastly, um, birth rates will be important. Um, it's a natural consequence of the collapse of globalization and the you know, lack of belief that um, uh, population decline can be uh, made up for through you know, importing a replacement population as that, um, as, the, as the global system continues to crash or retreat, um, birth rates will become more important. Um, you know, you've probably seen these maps uh, of polls in different countries, like, are you willing to die for your country? You've probably, there was a couple maps of those going around. I don't know how good the polling is. Probably not very good. Um, but, you know, countries where, um, you know, people are having children um, and raising families, have, people have more skin in the game, as it were. They're willing to die for their country under those circumstances. Um, and to the extent that security becomes an important issue, um, you know, we'll see, we'll start to see more countries following the example um, of the Central and Eastern European governments that have been trying to promote their uh, population growth. So, five features of the global um, post, sorry, five features of the world after the end of globalization. Look forward to discussing with you. Thanks.